Welcome to No Clip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rothermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about <laughs> Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, uh, which is a game that was developed by Retro Studios, published by Nintendo, and was released in 2014 on the Wii U, and a remake slash port on the Switch in 2018. Mm-hmm. But first, uh, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. I think they call them enhanced ports. Something because, along yeah, those lines. Yeah, it's just the same game, but they added, like, a couple of little things. They made it load faster. Oh, yeah. and Funky Mode. And they added Funky Kong, yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe some other stuff. Yeah, just some stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, which, after much debate, we determined was not Donkey Kong Country Returns Tropical Freeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess it's not the Returns trilogy, it's the sequel trilogy to Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, so just Donkey Kong Country colon subtitle. Yeah. It is a 2D platformer, um, <laughs> the and it does a lot of the stuff that 2D platformers do. Uh, it, it is a Donkey Kong game, so it has, like, Donkey Kong's movement mechanics and stuff in it, um, but... That's about all that really separates it. There's a lot of you jumping from platform to other platforms. So yeah, I thought a good place to like start in on the conversation is just like our relative experiences with uh, the Donkey Kong Country franchise, um, because my only experience with it is uh, Donkey Kong Land on the Game Boy, which I played as a kid, which is a very like downscaled version of the uh, Super NES game, as you would imagine, to be running on the Game Boy. And um, I just remember it being like the hardest game ever made um, as a kid. Like it just felt like really intimidating, and I've probably only ever got like a third of the way through it to maybe halfway mm-hmm. before it just like kicked my ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, and then I loved Donkey Kong 64 because I was a big 3D platformer kid and then picked up Donkey Kong Country Returns when it came out. Um, it was something I probably hadn't thought about Donkey Kong in mm. a while. I was like, oh, shit, like they're bringing back Donkey <laughs> Kong Country. Like, I'll pick that up. And um, and I, I was it felt very, like, approachable and beatable as, like, a, like a late teen. And I remember, like, reviews talking about it being harder than the originals and it kind of fucked my brain because I just remember those old games being the hardest things. Yeah, I I uh I played through the original three Donkey Kong Country games, uh more or less like contemporaneously with their release. Uh, and I did eventually beat all of them, though notably it did take me about five years uh from the ages of seven to twelve to finish the first game uh it was a lot smoother sailing after that considering that all of the bones in my hands stopped growing um (laughs) so i kind of got a handle on how to use a controller and all that but the uh i'm actually i'm glad that you mentioned the uh game boy for donkey kong land uh because i I didn't fucking play it Mm -hmm. but i did play the Game Boy Advance port. Mm, yeah, they did do those too. Yeah, which is very much similar to the SNES because it is on a Game Boy Advance and not a Game Boy. Yeah, I also think that I had Donkey Kong Land 3 
Mm-hmm. But it was one of those like childhood situations where I think I like lost it at a friend's house or something and just never got it back. So I don't really remember that one at all. Yeah. There are lots of things <laughs> that I know that I would legally own if it came right down to it, but I have no idea where they are. Uh, mm-hmm. And pr- I probably do not own them any longer. Uh, so I feel that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I never played Donkey Kong Country Returns. Um, I actually, I didn't even hear of it. Mm. It was a late Wii game, and you didn't care about the Wii, so. Yeah, I shelved it I think a lot of people missed it, because when it came out. Yeah. Uh, And I didn't play Donkey Kong 64 ever, so I don't know anything about that one either. Mm. Uh, So we have zero overlap in this franchise until today. Yes. uh, Which is interesting. I, I kind of know what it's like to play Donkey Kong Country 1. That's true. Uh, I guess neither of us played Donkey Konga, which was <laughs> yeah, or obviously Donkey a Kong mistake. Jungle Beat. <laughs> yeah, I forgot there was there were two of them. That. Yeah, I guess if you make a plastic peripheral, you might as well put out two pieces of software for it. Yeah, it's it's interesting that this is the case for us with both like Mario and Donkey Kong. Um, we've played more of the same Mario games, but our favorites are like all the opposite of That's each true. other. <laughs> And I think that you played mostly different Mario games than I did. Yeah, like growing up. Yeah, we only started to overlap a few years ago, realistically. When we started playing the ones as they came out. Yeah, this is the source of all of our differences as human beings. Mm -hmm. What platformers did you play? (laughs) That's a trick question. The actual answer for me was The Lion King. Uh... (laughs) Oh, it's rain. Jinx. It just came in really uh, loud. Well, what aquatic ambience we have. <laughs> so I'm just drinking some of the rainwater that came in. Collecting it in our uh, palm tree leaves. <laughs> yeah. We decided to, for accuracy's sake, uh, do this in a great ape's habitat <laughs> in the jungle. Uh, yeah. We fell into the uh, the ape exhibit at the zoo. Our mom is trying to get us out right now. Yeah, and we, we figured we would wait. We would record a podcast. We'll wait for the fire department to show up. Uh, yeah, looking forward to that, to getting rescued. Uh, but until then, uh, speaking of m- monkeys making things hard to do. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> this game is hard. Uh and <laughs> I know I I talk about Donkey Kong Country, the original series of games, as being difficult, and I think they are, but I find them to be difficult in a vastly different way than this game is, and presumably Donkey Kong Country Returns was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I talked to you about this briefly mm-hmm. uh, before, and I know that you don't... You don't play Tropical Freeze and say this is a hard game. Well, it it does get hard, but it's most I don't know. It's not I don't find it hard in the way that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I find it just like as challenging as like any other challenging platformer. Really, like I'd say this is probably a little bit easier than Celeste. I would say uh, it really depends on how you 
This is why the difficulty in games conversation comes up so often, I mm-hmm. think, is because it's impossible to really nail down what what it is, mm-hmm. even. It, uh, it's different for everybody, yeah. like what you find hard. Because it, it's it's interesting for me to think about it, because like, Celeste obviously is a comparison that we made, and uh, the only game that has lived in my brain for the last month <laughs> is Elden Ring. And it's... <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird to me to say, but like in the in my lizard brain, mm-hmm. I think that Tropical Freeze is a harder game than both of those games. Mm. But that's not true on an objective level. Like Celeste asks you to do way more difficult stuff and there's really no reason to compare Elden Ring to Donkey Kong <laughs> other than it's what I've been playing. But, like, the experience of playing Elden Ring for me felt a lot smoother than the experience of playing this game. And I think that there is... This is a game that I like that I feel like has none of the things that I like about the genre. Mm. It's really strange, and I feel like we should dive into it sort of into in pieces. Sure. Uh but yeah, I don't think that this game is necessarily harder than the originals, nor do I think that they're that far apart, mm-hmm. which is a very wishy-washy stance, but it's sure, kind of where yeah. I land. And I don't remember them well enough to comment mm-hmm. accurately. I felt like... No, that's even going to be a whole source of discussion. <laughs> uh-huh. So I guess break down where you want to jump into this. Yeah, let's start Let's start with the easy thing. Um for a mechanical-based game like this, and that is <laughs> the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> the way that this game plays, it's really... The mechanics, to me, I think, are actually really tight. They feel good to use and to control, and Donkey Kong has a real, like, momentum to him. Yeah, I think that's what distinguishes him. It's one of those things I felt like it was really hard for me to put my finger on, but, like, he does take a second to, like, stop moving mm-hmm. in the way that, like, I feel like other uh, platformer characters don't do. Yeah, without, like, that weird skid. Yeah, like, you almost <laughs> kind of feel like he feels a little slippery until you realize, like, that's what is going on. And then it kind of clicks. Mm-hmm. At least I think. Yeah, it's like he's made to feel like his weight is really pulling yeah. him forward. Uh and yeah, and, and it makes it, it feels really natural. Like the animation is really good in this game. Uh, and it actually, it was even in the, like Donkey Kong felt substantial even in the, the SNES era games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's something to pull off back then. Probably a little bit easier to do now, but with the fluidity of the motion, it's, it's, it's still really impressive. Um, my one complaint with the control or with his mo- movement, I suppose, is that I felt like the roll jump had extremely limited use cases. Like, I never felt like I needed to do it for mm-hmm. any reason. I I don't think I disagree, but I felt like that kind of felt like the point of it to me. Um, like, it's like a thing that you can try and use if you don't have. Uh, one of the other Kongs with you to like maybe make a jump that you couldn't otherwise and not like a thing you were supposed to use all the time. I guess that makes sense. Uh, hearing you say that out loud, I kind of, I forgot about the, how prevalent the other characters are yeah. when you're playing. Oh the yeah. Game. It really feels naked to not have them. Mm-hmm. 
Like it, there, there's some later levels where like I went like a really long stretch. It's just Donkey Kong. I was like, oh man, <laughs> this feels like playing those Mario Sunshine levels without the flood. Yeah, they're trying to get you to use your fucking banana coins. Yeah, like I'm jumping and then I'm like holding the B button to try to extend my jump and then falling to my death because I I'm just Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just imagine him, like, taking his tie and trying to, like, spin it like a propeller uh-huh. to try to save himself in, like, a Wile E. Coyote kind of way. Mm, that would be, if this had, like, a <laughs> Dragon's Lair-style death scenes, that's what it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know, it just, it feels like it's something that is, like, it's on the fucking B button. Like, it's just a thing that you should, I feel like it should be more useful, mm. but the design of the levels is okay this is my first legitimate complaint that i have okay i don't like the way these levels are designed Mm -hmm. but it's because of how i like my platformers i like there to be a flow to things i don't like stopping and starting i've realized the irony of saying that in a franchise that has a level called stop and go station (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh yeah it's like I couldn't use the roll jump because if I moved too fast across the screen, I would die because there are just so many obstacles and holes in the ground that you become, it's, it's like you inch your way along in this game to try and make progress until it forces you to run. Uh, and those end up being some of like, to me, like the standout levels in the game. I really like the minecart segments, uh, in this game where the minecart segments in the first game were brutal for no good reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I guess flow would be my thing. I wish that this game had more of it. I wish the levels were longer geometrically, Mm -hmm. but you could move quicker through them. Yeah, that's an interesting point um, because I I do think like the, the mechanics would lend themselves to that style of game. But I think naturally I'm more of like a like stop and look for puzzles kind of person. Like I I I enjoy a good like a platformer with like a good flow to it as well. Like um uh like in like a Super Mario Brothers or something. I like always hold the run button mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like I, I get the appeal of that. Um, but I guess I hadn't really thought about it in this game because I don't know. I just think it feels really natural, like the way that they. It, it almost kind of makes me think of Celeste, and I feel like I'm going to keep bringing it back up, where it's like, you'll get to a new, like, little section of the level, and it'll feel like its own little scene, and, like, you could almost view it as its own little micro-level, like a Celeste-style thing, and it's like, oh, this little, something's going on, these penguins are blowing these horns, and these leaves are falling down, or whatever, and, like, you have to figure out, like, okay, you gotta, like, they're blowing them up, and then you gotta jump, or platform across it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I don't know. I, it feels like a very just like kind of take it as you go sort of thing to me. Um, but I do think, yeah, now that you mention it, I almost do kind of like I wonder if any of like the secret bonus levels go into that sort of like really quick uh, twitch reflex flow platforming style stuff. I didn't know that there were bonus levels. Yeah, oh, um, if you get, it, that's what the, uh, all the collectibles unlock. It's uh, like, if you go through the world map, there are, like, levels you can't get to, and, like, getting all the stuff lets you go to those levels. Okay. And then I think there's, like, a whole, like, Star Road style 
uh, like Last World that you get only if you get everything. Yeah. This also makes sense based on things. Uh, this game is definitely... Uh, and th- this could be Retro Studios specifically calling back to the fact that they are uh, essentially like revamping a rare franchise that they are putting in all of these collectibles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that they're all there, and like you mentioned, like look for a puzzle, there's all the hidden stuff, which was also present in the original Donkey Kong Country. It does force the player to need to stop and look closely at things. In fact, in many instances, acting rashly in this game will, like, bar you from getting a, a some secret often. Mm-hmm. Like, like you, you break a box and now you can't jump ex- off of it. Exactly. You throw a barrel into a wall and it was supposed to hit a big ice bag. Mm-hmm. Whatever the <laughs> fuck those are. Oh, Santa sacks. <laughs> yeah. That hang from the ceiling. Uh yeah, it's just, like, stuff that you can just miss if you go too quickly through it. And I notably, I, I did occasionally, I got a Kong or two. Uh-huh. Uh, but I n- never completed a single puzzle piece objective and never had any desire to go back and do so. Yeah, now, I'm on the same page when it comes to the puzzle pieces. Like, personally, I feel like they aren't, they don't feel worth it at all. Mm -hmm. But I I feel like the Kong letters, though, are enticing to me in the way that, like, the strawberries were in, like, the first, like, third of Celeste, where it's, like, they're not that far out of the way. Like, you had to put yourself in a little bit of danger to get them, but they usually feel worth it to grab to me. But you don't get anything for them unless you also get all the puzzle pieces. So, I don't know. I find them satisfying to collect all the same, but like I'll, I'm quick to give up on it. Um, like uh, if it's a minecart level, fuck that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I want to. I want to say the Kong letters feel more like the skate letters from Tony Hawk. Yeah, uh, and not just because they're letters that you pick up, <laughs> even though mark that down. That's one definite comparison you can make between the two of them. Uh-huh. But uh, the skate letters and two in, in a much smaller microcosm of this phenomenon, the combo letters. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Tony Hot games, get fucked, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but the Kong letters and the skate letters sort of show you a line. Like, yeah. things that you can do in the level that feel natural like you should be getting them because they're in these particular places. But then in the minecart sections, they'll just be, like, in a hard place to be, Yeah, that which might... I think makes it worse. Yeah, that might be hearkening back to, like you said, like in the original trilogy, the minecart levels were, like, hard as dumps. Yep. So, you know, like, the Kong letters make it that much more challenging in, in the more modern Donkey Kong Country games. Yeah. You can play on a hard mode where you give a shit about the <laughs> <Yeah>. Kong letters. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah they, they do I mean once again you making me think about something I hadn't before like they don't really get you anything unless you right. go for all of them so it is kind of pointless to collect them <laughs> <laughs> which is something I just had not occurred to me at all well yeah I mean because that's what they want I think for the player is to not really be thinking about like the reward for the stuff they're getting mm-hmm. just to be getting the stuff uh, and like the, it's it to me, it's just like there's a there's a really aggressive 
visual overload of collectibles on screen at all times. There's like a trail of bananas that you're following through the level and then like a bunch of shit, a beer stein and a big plant and a handle on the ground Mm -hmm. that you can like pull up and collectibles fly out of those. Every time that you hit a like a secret button, a shape of bananas shows up and just starts flying everywhere. And it wants you to stop and collect all of them. And then it gives you another reward, which could just be more fucking bananas. Uh, it's really like, there's just so many collectibles in the game. And yeah, it, in the end, they don't. none of them particularly matter. Uh, I think I died an, a functionally limitless number of times on the last few levels of this game. Mm-hmm. And ended the game with like 65 lives. Like, getting all those bananas was really racking up the lives, but I feel like even if I wasn't paying attention to them, I would have just passively generated enough Mm -hmm. to make it to the end of the game. And how many banana (laughs) coins do you have? Because I had, like, 260. Yeah, somewhere in there. I think I hit hit 300. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I only ever spent them on on extra hearts Mm -hmm. and maybe a Dixie Kong barrel. Yeah, a little DK here and there. Mm-hmm. Just a lot. Just yeah. a lot of collectibles <laughs> in this game. But weren't all of... Like, maybe the puzzle pieces are new, but wasn't all this stuff in the older games, too? Like, banana... I, mean, I feel like bananas worked in the same way, where, like, you'd hit a thing on the ground, and they, a bunch of them would fly out in a shape, and you'd have to get them before they disappeared. There was some of that. Um, the puzzle pieces and the banana coins... Are ba- like the puzzle pieces. Yeah, basically... banana coins are new. No, the, are banana- oh. the banana coins, and there were DK coins, oh, which essentially course, are course. what the puzzle pieces were. Uh-huh. They were mostly rewards for bonus stages, mm. um, which also make a return. And I got thoughts on those. Right. Um, and <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just like all the stuff is there, but it's just less aggressive. There's mm. less of it in each level. That's fair, I guess. Yeah. Uh, or maybe this fucker rose colored glasses. Somebody <laughs> fact check me on this. Give me a banana yeah. count. I can't. I can't do that. So yeah, somebody else has to. <laughs> uh, also, I think potentially coloring this, it was a lot harder to find the secrets in the original mm. because they would be, you know, like the handles that I was talking about. That you yeah. pop open, there's just shit inside of them. In the original game, you would just like have to hit every square of it was ground. like a hole on the ground. <laughs> Yeah, and it would, like, explode, and then you would get a bouncy tire, and yeah. then you could kick the bouncy tire somewhere, and then I remember that the would get you tires. to the secret area. I remember, yeah, you would, like, jump from a high place, you get on top of a tree, mm-hmm. and you had to land on, like, a like a dark spot on the ground, and, like, a pole would come out of it that you had to grab onto, <laughs> and it would take you to a bonus stage. Yep, there's all kinds of, like... Classic? Yeah, some classic <laughs> secret shit like that. that. See, it seems, like, it feels like a lot easier to find all the secret stuff in this game yeah you have like the classic metroidvania like that bit of wall looks a little different mm-hmm. so yeah if you played enough games like side scrolly games with secrets like it, they'll stand out pretty easy yeah yeah and so you end up getting a lot more of the collectibles so it does maybe that's what makes it feel like there's more of them maybe but i know i didn't have no 200 fucking banana <laughs> coins uh, at the end of Donkey Kong Country 1. <laughs> uh, so you just want to talk about the bonus games then? Since yeah, it sure. Came up? Why not? Um, so you were watching me play the other day, and um, 
uh, and I I referenced um, the episode we just did on uh, Ape Escape, and I said. I feel kind of similarly to these bonus stages as like a comment I made about Ape Escape, whereas like I feel like like the act of like catching the monkeys like as a kid would have given me like performance anxiety where it feels mm-hmm. real simple, but like the potential to fuck it up like makes me choke. Um, and the bonus games in this are, are have always been like similar to that uh, for me where they they're a lot of them aren't that hard. There's a few that are kind of tricky. But, like, I I fuck them up probably, like, 50% of the time uh, for no real reason. Um, So, yeah, that's my relation to the bonus stages in Donkey Kong games. Yeah. (coughs) Uh, It's usually by falling in a pit and less (laughs) running out of time. Yeah. It's it's weird because uh, this is not something that I would ever be like, oh, the bonus stages in the original games were way better because they weren't. It was the same <laughs> stuff. Uh, sometimes you jumped on those tires we were talking about, and they were on platforms that move left and right. Um, and this is essentially the same thing. This is These are arguably better than the ones in the original game. Uh, my problem is that there's like 10,000 of them, mm. and they made four games to play in all of them. There's like jump out of the barrels and land back in the barrels, there's shoot out of the barrel into a bounce pad into a barrel. Mm-hmm. There's jump on five platforms that move. And uh, maybe they only made three. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's actually another one that I'm just forgetting. Uh-huh. Uh, and I felt like every time I went into a bonus stage, knowing that I didn't give a shit about the puzzle piece, this is my fault once again, because (laughs) I'm just not engaging with one of the mechanics of their game. The reward for the bonus stage never felt worth the time that it took, but I just refused to let myself not do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I ended up, yeah, like I think I may have lost a bonus stage I only remember once mm-hmm. uh, failing one, and I just found them. And I think it's just because I had become so practiced at their three games, yeah, that I was just able to do with my eyes closed for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't feel like they really added that much. I guess sure, and you can argue successfully, and I wouldn't disagree that they didn't add a whole lot to the original games either. Uh, but I think you would occasionally get, like, a three-up out of it. And that game was... The lives mattered more <laughs> yeah. in that one, so... Uh, so, an- another thing we were talking about off-cast is the inventory system. Mm. Which I wanted to, to also bring up. Uh, it it I feel like it feels really tacked on. Um, but I, I just wonder how much of that is just me and how much of it is the game. Because, like, I didn't really engage with it, um, and I found it to be a little bit unintuitive, but I don't really know if I feel like it's bad or not. Uh, It just feels like it's kind of there, (laughs) and I don't really know. Like, I feel like somebody gets use out of it, Um, but I don't know. I feel like it's maybe a little bit too... I guess, like, signposted isn't the word, but, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like even if I was a kid and would benefit from it, I would probably still, like, overlook it. Yeah, I I feel like it's a good-ish, at least, idea uh, to have these, like, 
items you can bring into the level, but once you use them, they're gone and all of that. But like, <laughs> there are just certain parts of it that felt like, why would anyone ever use this? Or like, how would you know that you needed this thing in a level? Because uh, I experimented with a few of them. I never took a balloon that lets you fall in a hole. Mm-hmm. And I never took a vehicle balloon. And the reason that I didn't take those is because I never exited a level once I started it. I would just finish the level. Mm-hmm. This game, I described the game as being very difficult. But it's never so difficult that I felt like I needed to like back out and go buy help items. Right. Uh, I feel like that is a different level of thing. And I think that like a 2d world map level based platformer isn't the, the zone for these items to be in. Yeah. Uh, but I will, I'll give us a shout out to the, the Kong barrels that you can grab and the fact that you can just buy extra lives, though I don't know what happens when you game over, so it probably doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and the one that gives you an extra heart, uh, yeah. as all being things that could be relevant in boss fights. The Kong barrels, I guess you could theoretically take into a regular level, mm-hmm. even if you don't know what's going to be in it. Uh, you could still just be like, I would like Dick Dixie in this one, uh, and do that. And that's fine. It feels like the Mario 3 uh, inventory, where mm. you would just amass items and never use them. Uh, <laughs> it just, I don't know. It's its like, I think it's a good idea. I think that they should have catered the items more to the game that you're playing. Yeah, I, I think that like the Mario comparison is a good one. Because I feel like... In this, the Funky Kong's airplane or whatever is always like off the path. Mm-hmm. Whereas in like Mario Three, the like the toad houses were on the path. Like you had to pass through them. Yeah. And like it's for me. And once again, I always feel like this is like a me thing, but I don't know if it is. Like I get to it at the like in the first world, I go to it, and it's like oh, there's all this stuff, and I don't know what if it does yet. So I just leave, and then it feels like that conditions me to just ignore it on every other, in every other world. Because I don't, I feel like it's not like introduced. Like not that I want like a wall of text tutorial or anything explaining what everything is, mm-hmm. but like I just feel like it's it could be like introduced in a way that grabs my attention better, and I might like I don't know, I'd be more likely to use it. I think. Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of stuff in it that's like. I mean, there's not a lot of stuff in it. There are a few things in it. And it just, it feels like it's unnecessary when you see it on the map. You're just like, I'll just go right by it. Maybe if I'm having trouble, I'll go back there. But that's just a mental trap that you set for yourself when you play video games. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, you, you're the one who, who, like, I had literally never thought of this. (laughs) You were like, oh, yeah, I I always grabbed an extra heart for the boss fights. And I'm like... Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, palm meat forehead. Uh, I was like, I never, ever even thought to do that, and that's such a good idea. Like, that's what it's fucking made for. Yeah. And I just just never fucking crossed my mind. There's an item that's called banana juice, and there's a big problem with banana juice. There's a recall on banana juice. <laughs> oh, no, it's someone's poisoned the banana hole. Uh... 
<laughs> but the problem is the item description for banana juice is like. <laughs> I wish I could just fucking ad hoc a, a Dark Souls item description, but I'm not that good. Um, <laughs> but the item description for the banana juice is like, when you get hit, it'll be a while before, like, you get extended invincibility. But what mm. Funky Kong says in the shop, before you have the item, and therefore wouldn't have thought to have looked at it, I guess you can do it in the inventory. You can select the icon with an x zero next to it and it will tell you what it does mm. but what funky kong says is helpfully i don't know what that does <laughs> and i don't i was like oh okay so i just never went about ever getting it i just ignored it i bought it on the last boss mm. because i was like i don't know <laughs> what else to do because i was being killed a bunch of times mm -hmm. uh and so it's the only level in the game I stopped playing, I backed out, I went to Funky Kong, mm. I bought some juice from him, I used it, and it's, as far as I know, because I've only used it and the extra heart, the extra heart stays when you die, you come back, when you retry the level, you still get the heart. Mm -hmm. uh, the banana juice does not. So it's a one-use thing ever. You'll use it in the first three seconds of the level. And so it just doesn't feel worth it either. Were they trying to, like, iterate on the crystal coconut idea? Like, the invincibility? What's that from? Were crystal coconuts not in the... In the original in, games? In the Donkey Kong Country games? Not as far as I'm aware. Uh, I remember... <laughs> Uh, weirdly, I remember they were in the Donkey Kong cartoon that was on for like five <laughs> seconds and they're in Donkey Kong, uh, 64. I just, I thought I remember them being an item in the Donkey Kong country games as well. I've never heard the words oh, yeah. crystal, crystal and coconut Co yeah, they're put very, together. They're very cool. Mm. Um, and yeah, they just grant you invincibility. It was like a resource. It, it would just, um, they had in Donkey Kong 64, like special abilities that like consumed them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Donkey Kong's was that he just became invincible. Um, so, yeah. Thought those were a more series-wide item. <laughs> but apparently not. Well, they are. They're series-wide <laughs> in everything that I haven't played. Yeah. Uh, so, Donkey Kong 64. Uh, uh, but yes, I guess, that is sort of what they did there. Mm. Uh, but Funky Kong doesn't know what they do. Yeah, I'll have to uh, show you like the like the item icon of it because I just always thought it looked so cool. I'm imagining like a pearlescent bowling ball in my head. It's like uh, almost like egg shaped in like uh, crystal. It's cool. I'll just have, I'll show it to you. Yeah, I'll take a look at it live on air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, banana juice. Yeah, different from crystal coconuts. Different from crystal coconuts, and also seems utterly worthless because it's like something I don't even understand why you take it into a level. Because like, how many times would you say as a ratio you died in a level because you got hit too many times by enemies versus you fell in a hole? Um, I feel like I fell in a hole ninety eight percent of the time. <laughs> yeah, that I died. So the banana juice ain't gonna help you in the hole. Mm -hmm. the, the hole just is gotcha at that point. So d it really doesn't seem that useful for regular platforming levels. It would potentially be helpful for 
the rocket levels, mm. but there's also already an item for that that gives those an extra hit point. So it just, this is what I'm saying when I feel like they needed to cater the items more to the kind of game they were making, mm-hmm. is all of them, with the exception of the extra heart, feel like I never wanted to buy them. They had no value to me in the shop. Mm-hmm. They only would have had value to me in the level. Yeah. And I just, and there's no, there's a disconnect. Like, especially, like, if I've gone past a checkpoint, I'm not going to fucking redo the first half of the level because I feel like I'm falling in too many holes. I'll just retry it. I've got 900 lives. Yeah. I feel like that's something that's a, a really common issue in games. Like, thinking of, like, RPGs and stuff, like, whenever you can stock up on items in a shop, mm-hmm. those are the kind of items that you, you save till the end and never use. <laughs> But if I came across, like, a potion or something in a dungeon, I feel like I'd be way more likely to just throw that back. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there is, like, a weird player psychology thing there that I guess people still don't know what to do with. <laughs> I mean, that's true. I mean, I remember seeing fucking tweets recently about people being like, I never use rune arcs. In, oh, yeah. In Elden Ring. I sure it. did. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's just, like, a generational thing where, like, the majority of people see a limited use on something Mm -hmm. and for some reason and i'm including myself in this so (laughs) for some reason when i do when i see these consumable items i'm only imagining a universe in which you run out of them i want yeah i want an infinite number of for me it's more like kind of like what i was saying about the funky kong shop it's like it, it depends on how like the items introduced like if i'm like given a scenario where like i'm able to use it and see its benefit i'm more likely to use it mm. and when it's something that just is given to me and it just sits in my inventory and i never touch it you know it's like yeah. the scenario where i end up with like 80 of them at the end of the game yeah for sure i i agree i didn't even know i played multiple rpgs that had an item akin to the tent yep i was just gonna bring those up <laughs> tent the tent is the worst it's very useful item but it's so easy to just completely overlook it Mm -hmm. yeah i've played multiple games that contain tent and have never and and was like many in before i even knew what they did yep it's uh, (sighs) a tense dog (laughs) um i it was like I felt like we needed one more thing mm-hmm. to talk about before we went to break. And I was going to suggest, do you want to knock out a conversation while we were on the topic about bosses? Mm. But I think we'd probably just call it and talk about the bosses and the other stuff in the game after, after the, the break. break. Coconut talk. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. (laughs) It's gonna hurt. (laughs) It is gonna hurt when we welcome you back to the podcast. So, 
one thing that I reflected on briefly during our break, mm-hmm. uh, that was just a really negative first half. <laughs> I don't know if it felt so negative as much as uh, just kind of a dry critical eye. <laughs> So it was a really good first half. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was, uh, you know, get it out of the way. Objective game reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let us ta- let us talk about the bosses. Uh, because I would like to finish being negative. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the bosses in this game, I don't actually feel super negative on. I have very mixed feelings on the bosses. Mm-hmm. Um. Because bosses were always a sort of a spectacle thing in the original series, which is why I imagine they brought them back like they did. Um, And some of them even, like, feel almost pretty similar. There's a boss, the first boss in Donkey Kong Country 2 uh, is a pirate bird, and it drops eggs on you, and then sometimes the eggs break, and sometimes they don't break. And then you pick up the not broken eggs and you hit them with it. Mm-hmm. In this game, the second boss is a bird who's not a pirate. An owl. He's an owl. Uh, <laughs> and they drop eggs on you. And sometimes the eggs break into enemies. And sometimes they break into enemies with an eggshell on their head. And you pick those up and you throw them at the boss. Uh, so I think there's a pretty clear line of inspiration here. I like most of the bosses. There are two bosses that I don't like. Mm-hmm. And then all of the, every other thing about them I mostly am fine with. Except they're just so fucking long. <laughs> this is why I started taking the extra health into all the bosses. Mm. Is because it just... If you died, you got set back like the equivalent of three regular levels. <laughs> Like, it was so long. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I actually kind of like the bo- bosses a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're better than bosses in most platformers. Um, but, yeah, the, the big negative is that, like, they're very long. Like, they're endurance challenges, basically. Um, and it does suck to die on, like, the third phase of one of them. <laughs> yeah. Which will happen. It, most of the time, I yeah. would say. They'll take at least two tries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, the first boss is pretty standard, um, and I commented on it when I saw you play the first boss, in that the the first boss of the game is this, like, seal, and he slides back and forth, and you get a jump on him when he slides past you, uh, and then he sends waves of people from the background into the foreground, and you attack them, and then he does the slide thing again, you have to jump on him there, that's where your damage opportunities are. And that is, like, essentially the same pattern that the final boss follows. Mm. Um, Which, if that's intentional, that's kind of a neat, like, bringing it full circle thing. Like, here's just the really hard version of the boss that you fought at the beginning of the game. Yeah, and the the first boss is a seal, and the final boss is a walrus. So, like, Mm -hmm. the theming makes sense. It does. And also, walruses are well known in the animal kingdom as as being the true seals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nature's true seals. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I think, I don't know. I think I liked most of them. I think uh, a lot of the stuff that they do is really cool. One of the things that we'll talk about, hopefully here shortly, 
uh, is that this game looks really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bosses are really great designs visually. They all have a little cutscene with a dumb joke in them, mm-hmm. and it usually lands and is pretty good. Uh, and they look like well-fleshed-out characters. Sometimes, you know, it's a big owl. It's a bigger version of the regular enemies that you fight. Mm-hmm. But they read really well. Uh, you know what they're doing. You can kind of predict their moves based on, on what they look like. And I, I like that about it. I think they're well-designed as bosses. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of wanted to talk about, like, the enemies themselves. as um, Because one of the things that this Donkey Kong Country Return series has done is not include the Kremlings yeah. in K. Rule. And I feel like in Donkey Kong Country Returns, the first one, um, they just had these tiki masks were the enemies, and they were kind of boring and lame uh-huh. and not very memorable. Uh, but I feel like in this game, they introduced the Snowmads, is what they're called, um, that roll into DK Island and freeze it, which I, I think is cool theming, and I, I like them if they're not going to use the Kremlings for, I assume, legal reasons, <laughs> or maybe they just don't want to. But uh, I, I feel like they're a cool replacement. Yeah. And it's something that I feel like Donkey Kong can kind of uniquely get away with. Like, I love a K rule. Mm-hmm. I think he's great. Um, but they jumped the shark with K rule when they made him five different people mm-hmm. uh, over the series. And then also in, in Donkey Kong 64 with the inclusion of K Lumsy. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's like a. <laughs> like, I feel like K. Rule has been played out a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I still love the Kremlings and think they would be fine as an enemy type, but it's refreshing to see a new thing. You can't get away with making a Mario game without fucking Goombas in it. Well, I was just going to say, I wish other Nintendo <laughs> series would do this. Like, yeah. I feel like Zelda and Mario could afford to change up the enemies more. I agree. But it is... The way it is. Yeah, it's like, set in stone at this point. I think I said this on another cast um, episode, but I feel like it should not... The idea of them like using Wario as the bad guy instead of Bowser seems way more refreshing of an idea than it should. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, yeah, Bowser's always the bad guy. Yeah, it gets a little tired. Yeah, and it, in... Um, uh, it's one of the things that makes like the RPG games like appealing is like Bowser's on your team and there's a different bad guy. <laughs> yeah. They had to come up with a new character. Yeah. Uh like that hotel lady <laughs> who gets dropped immediately for a more familiar uh Mario villain. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it sucks. Um I think The problem with the Kremlings... Christmas with the Kremlings? Christmas with the Kremlings uh, is the Mario enemies work because they all have a really specific purpose. um, And the Kremlings were just crocodiles that walked back and forth. They were like faster ones that had a different color, and then there were the big ones that you could only kill with like a barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of the enemies were like claptraps, which are fucking little crocodiles. And the beavers. And the beavers. The bees. <laughs> there were also bees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a, a variety of fish based enemies as well. Yeah, I mean, that is a good point. Yeah, the Kremlings are more just like 
just crocodile enemies and they aren't like yeah like mario enemies where they're like designed feeds into like the mechanics Mm -hmm. yeah and and so it does it feels better to have a set of enemies that feel more suited to the game uh and and gameplay even Mm mm-hmm but yeah, I totally changed the discussion from bosses. <laughs> uh, if you had anything else to t- to say about those, uh, no, I mostly like them. I found that the final boss was, and this is I when I think back on the final boss, I feel like I was being incompetent, but I thought it was a tad too hard. Mm. Uh, I guess it is more in line with final bosses of old games. Where it really is just the... Like, they were like, if anybody gets here, might as well fuck them up on the way out. Uh, <laughs> and th- this definitely goes into that category to an extent. Um, but other than that, I think most of them were balanced pretty well. Mm-hmm. The monkeys are stupid. And I don't like the monkeys. Uh, and the fish is on thin ice. Mm, yeah, the puffer fish. The puffer fish. I like the puffer fish in concept mm-hmm. and also in execution. It's just like it feels like every once in a while I'm like, ah, this doesn't feel like I there's anything I could do to avoid taking damage here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once again, that might just this is the first one of these games I played. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I um. I beat this game when it came out, um, but I didn't quite get to finish it this time uh, before we recorded. And so I wish I remembered the final boss better, but I don't remember him being that hard. But mm-hmm. I, I don't really remember how the fight goes, so I can't uh, can't really offer up my opinion on him. I will say it did not take me as many tries as the next to last level of the game, mm. uh, which is also my least favorite level of the game. Uh, which I'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. But uh, it was probably like a good... It I had to do it in two sessions. Like, I played it many times, stopped playing, came back the next day, and then finished it. And I think that it was like around 15 attempts mm. to beat the last boss. Was it uh, jumping through that little narrow gap in Celestard? <laughs> I mean, in terms of sheer numbers, I don't think I've ever attempted a single thing in a video game as many times as jumping through that little gap in Celeste. Uh, But the difference, of course, being that every attempt on this boss took me like 11 minutes and not four seconds. So I definitely felt it worse on this one. Uh Uh-huh. I guess to switch gears, I I do kind of want to talk about like the level design in a more broad like presentation sense, because mm. um, I think it's my favorite thing about this game. Is I think each level, I think it's and I don't want to oversell it. It's not like verging into the cinematic platformer territory. <laughs> terri- it's not verging into cinematic platformer territory or anything, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's cool that like each world tells a little story um, through its theming. Like, um, there's the one that's like the Savannah world, and it starts out with like this African festival theme uh, that's like a very music-based uh, level. Then there's like a storm uh, where there's lightning, and it's. Uh, 
like brush fires are starting and then the next levels the forest is on fire and uh i think it's cool how it like evolves like that um and and each world does something like that as far as i can remember except for maybe the first one um but anyway there's like the there's like a crashed plane or something like there's something going on um and i just think it's all really cool yeah it's extremely neat especially to see as you go through each level, like what the differences are going to be, it keeps each level within the zone feeling fresh, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to just sort of like a general theming. It's something that like y- that not all games are even capable of doing due to structure reasons and stuff like that. So it was really nice to see it taken advantage of in a genre that never ever does this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, it, it pays to, like, focus on that, because when you are a straight 2D platformer, you have the, like, you have these basic mechanics. If you stripped graphics away, mm-hmm. the every 2D platformer is the same game. You have a million competitors. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you do something that's a little special like this, it made me think less about how I was jumping from this platform to this platform and they move mm-hmm. in the same way in a bunch of different levels when I'm jumping between leaves or plants or platforms that are burning and crumble after you land on them. Uh, it's like a great meshing of mechanics and presentation. Yeah, yeah, that was going to be what I transitioned into. So, yeah. you know, uh, good good job at anticipating that. Because, <laughs> um, like, um, I think my favorite world in this game, I don't know if it contains my favorite levels, necessarily but the presentation and theme are so strong that it's my favorite anyway is the juicy jungle oh yeah it starts out as like this forest with like a bunch of berries and fruit growing in it and the progression is like the snowmads are like harvesting it and then processing it and breaking it down and they turn it into jelly and then they turn it into popsicles um it's all very cool and there's a lot of purple like color palettes in the levels and stuff and it just looks cool popsicles Um, (laughs) cool i see those popsicles definitely taste tropical Tropical. um freeze um (laughs) but uh in in uh it's a good example like um they've turned the fruit into jelly and then the jelly is like platforms that you bounce on Mm -hmm. and the popsicles are like come down like if through like a factory like on a robotic arm and then you jump on the popsicle and it starts to slide off the stick yeah and uh they do clever things like that like you mentioned like there's the platforms um in like the forest is catching on fire level that like you stand on and then they start to burn um and so in the the one in like the uh windmill world um where the the horns are like blowing the leaves up like the leaves are falling on the trees and the horns are like blowing air up and then they combine them together and like there's Mm. just all these cool little things where they they meld like the little story with the mechanics in cool ways it's that's like pretty impressive i feel like there's a lot of layers going on there that like you don't really like stop and think about necessarily while you're playing yeah it's like i've been playing fucking 2d platformers for 25 years i've probably played there's a good chance that i have played over a hundred 2d platformers yep. like we're in triple digits at that point and if you said that the platform or that this game contains a platform that you stand on and then it slowly falls down, 
I would be like, cool. I've done that, <laughs> been there, seen it. You said the word popsicles, and I immediately knew exactly the section you were talking about, and I knew what platforms you meant. <laughs> I knew what fucking color it was. Uh, and that is, like, that's the strength of this kind of a, a presentation, is that, like, it all becomes really memorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned, I remember when I was watching you play one of the, the minecart sections, uh, there's a, a segment where the minecart falls apart and you land on just like a block of wood and it's floating. Mm-hmm. And so you're just on like a piece of driftwood, but you're doing similar minecart stuff, uh, but in the water this time. Uh, and then you go through a sawmill and it just recreates a minecart out of that block of wood. And I was like, that's great. Like, I love that that happened because it's a really cool little transition. It both changes mechanically and it also gives a reason for it. You don't just jump onto another minecart. Yeah, and it's it, it that highlights another thing. Um, yeah, that is a very memorable level. Like I, I got to it, and I was like, "This is the first level." I feel like, ah, like I really remember this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's another cool little sub theme I think they have is like there are several like factory levels, and it's like the snowmads move into a new place, and then they industrialize it, or like they like pump it for resources. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's that's cool. Like it definitely gives them like more of like a almost like 80s movie villain kind of like sense of being bad guys yeah they're they're like trying to capitalize off of like wherever they roll into they're like a brainiac sure they come in they (laughs) fucking use the plan for resources to get the fuck out of there so you and your fucking ninth level intelligence like the snowmats (laughs) i don't remember the final boss's name me neither. I would have said it there, but I don't mm-hmm. remember it. Uh, and another thing I feel like we should have talked about on um, on the first half, but neglected to, mm-hmm. is um, uh, the actual Kongs. Oh, yeah. Um, the different Kongs. So Donkey Kong Country Returns just had Donkey and Diddy Kong. Um, and this game added in Dixie and Cranky. Um, and they each have different abilities. And as far as I can see it, there's no reason to ever pick anyone other than Dixie. <laughs> um, cause she's literally just Diddy, but better. Mm-hmm. And then Cranky Kong is like an awkward version of Scrooge McDuck yeah. where you can't just hold down the button. You have to push it again each time. And it feels really cumbersome. <laughs> uh, you are. I would say you are mostly correct about that. Uh, in 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 all ways, Dixie Kong does, generally speaking, feel like a better Diddy Kong. Mm-hmm. I would argue that because the levels are primarily designed for just Donkey Kong to get through them, or at mm-hmm. least they're designed in a way, yeah, yeah, that you could get through with just Donkey Kong. I found Diddy and Dixie to be interchangeable Mm. like i didn't have a strong preference which one i was using uh for any given moment and yeah i felt like they they needed to to shy away from the donkey kong country style of you take two hits and lose the partner and Mm. then you have to get a barrel to get them back if they were going to put something as like radically different as Cranky Kong in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, for once, the very old character is the one who's really shaking things up. Yeah, like, this is just dumb uh, presentation stuff, once again. But uh, I kind of don't like that he's a character in the game. 
because his whole shtick in the other games is that he heckled Donkey Kong and about how much he sucked and how much better he could save the world than him with no effort. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of flies in the face of that. Yeah, it to makes just him... make him playable, and he just is just as frail as all the other Kongs. Yeah. <laughs> It's all talk, and now we know it. Well, or maybe <laughs> it goes even a step further than that. And the fact that they put him in the game, but you never pick him because the times when you used him, you went, this doesn't seem very useful, is the same joke, mm. but repackaged in a ludonarrative way. Uh-huh. You go, oh, Cranky Kong sucks. It's like, oh, because... We all knew that when he was saying that in Donkey Kong Country, he that, was just lying. Yeah, he was blowing smoke up our ass. But now we know for sure because he just does the pogo stick thing. Mm-hmm. And like, sure, maybe there's a cactus or two I'd like to bounce on, uh, but it's largely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Cranky Kong. <laughs> I kept wanting Cranky to be good. Yeah, uh, I would like pick him first every time I went to a boss. Oh yeah, I was like, I gotta see. Does, is this Cranky's time to shine? Mm-hmm. I thought after many attempts with the other Kongs on the final boss that Cranky Kong was like the secret that I hadn't thought of yet. Uh-huh. And then I switched to Cranky, and then he just also just didn't work, uh, and I just had to get get good, so to speak. Yeah, so uh, that wasn't the case. Yeah, his strength is, like, levels with lots of, uh, like, spike traps, mm-hmm. which there just aren't very many of. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, he just kind of felt like a weird inclusion to me. Well, I think it's because the game... Uh, we'll call this a segue. Sure. Uh, <laughs> the game focuses very hard on becoming more difficult as the time goes on mm-hmm. and definitionally spike traps are less hard than a hole in the ground yes because if you fall in the spike trap you actually have a chance to come back and continue with the level but if you fall in a hole in the ground it just ends your run right there right so the that also made cranky worse because you can fucking pogo stick all you want into that hole you still die he doesn't right. bounce out of it. So having somebody to make your jump further to not fall in the hole is just always going to be better. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like Cran- Cranky's thing is being good on the first few levels and then becoming irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so I also wanted to bring up the, um, the rocket barrel levels and mm-hmm. the silhouette levels. Yes. As things to talk about. Um, so the 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 rocket barrel levels um, were introduced in Donkey Kong Country Returns in a way that felt like it, it made some kind of sense to me. Like, if you're Retro Studios, you're like, what do people like about Donkey Kong Country? Well, they like the mine carts. Uh, what else can we do that's kind of like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sierra Mist. And uh, they're, I don't know, they're really weird... Like they're basically like a Flappy Bird mechanic where you had to tap the A button or whichever button it is to keep it in the air um, and, you know, move it up and down accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like they were definitely worse in Donkey Kong Country Returns 1 <laughs> uh, and are better in this, but uh, I'm still not a big fan of them. Yeah, they are questionable. I think there's a 
So I I'll just mention it here because I don't want to to bring it up at any other point in the podcast. Mm-hmm. But they are by far the worst levels for someone like me mm-hmm. because it's hard to see things. Mm-hmm. The I died most of the time in those levels to bonking into the ground or ceiling because I did not know that it was a ground or a ceiling. I thought it was foreground or background or something because the game does a lot with perspective. Uh, and I think that to me, that's still the biggest strike against it. Like there isn't anything inherently wrong with the flappy bird formula for a level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, it just is, it felt unfair most of the time rather than like you doing stuff. I think it's because of how slowly you change mm-hmm. your position. Uh, you end up just moving in this like big sine wave most of the time, and that's how all the levels are designed. Yeah, like uh, to me, it's kind of like the complaint people usually have about like water levels, where um, it just feels like the challenge is so different and they come up so infrequently that like it always feels bad to lose on them. Um, I don't know, cause it, yeah, cause it's just like so like not like what you've been getting good at doing by playing the game. Yeah. I know that you wanted to bring up another type of level. No, oh, silhouette levels. Yeah, but we're going to take a break. Okay. After the break, uh during the break, we're going to be talking about water levels because you just <laughs> mentioned them. Gotcha. Um every water level in every video game is bad. That's like the the general rule, or at uh-huh. least it was back in like 1998. Definitely in 3D games. That's for sure. But also in 2D games. Mm-hmm. I, I feel less strongly about that personally, but still mostly agree. I don't know how they made it worse in this game than it normally is. Because normally a water level is like a really boring level that's mm. slow, and that's what makes it bad. And in Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, the water level is bad because you are using tank controls and your because you turn rotationally in the water and then you press a button to move forward. Okay. And it is it's basically like playing an old golf game. That's probably not the right way to put it. Where you have to choose an angle and then you shoot yourself forward. And the time that your hitbox is active on the spin attack is really mushy and is unclear based on the animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, they looked nice, but I just hated playing them. Uh, and that's probably the worst part about the fish boss is because mm-hmm. you're using that control scheme. I am, am talking, by the way, just about the like spin attack move, uh-huh. which is like your primary means of locomotion underwater. Sure. You do move with the control stick normally yeah. to go up, down, left, and right. Yeah. You can also, I think, hit B to make Donkey Kong just like stroke yeah. in the water and not spin. But why would you do that? You can get hurt <laughs> when you do that. <laughs> I think, no, I did know about that and uh-huh. genuinely chose to do it like three times. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, oh, this is like a maze part where I have to not touch the walls. That's when I would do it. Right. I don't know. I just didn't dig them. I think that my conspiracy theory <laughs> is that Retro Studios also doesn't love them because they put like four in the game. There aren't many. Mm. So, 
it wasn't a big complaint, but I was like, here we go, doing the same shit for 25 years, <laughs> not liking a water level. Mm-hmm. I found them to be pretty solid, personally. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to explain that. Yeah. In my, I can't reconcile that in my mm-hmm. head. But it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the silhouette levels a lot. Yeah, yeah, they're um they were probably like the in my head anyway the standout thing about Donkey Kong Country Returns, um it's just like a visual thing. Yeah. Um, but that's just me, I guess. But uh, yeah, they did just take these levels and I guess like the idea is that it's like strongly backlit. Mm-hmm. I think the first one in Donkey Kong Country Returns is like literally just a sunset is happening. Um, and so, like, you get to see, you see, like, Diddy's hat and his shirt, and you only really see Donkey Kong's tire and color, and the rest of them is just silhouetted mm-hmm. in black. Um, and, you know, and everything in the environment is black, too. Um, and it's just a really cool visual gimmick. Um, and we we played this one indie game. I think it was called, like, Geist or something like that. Oh, yeah. Um, that basically just took that idea and ran with it for the whole game. Um, and also, you could, you know, obviously think of something like Limbo. Right. Um, but that doesn't have any color. Um, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but, Categorically uh, not like Limbo. And um, also shouted it out in uh, Blasphemous. It yes. had the one, like, uh, hilltop uh, sunset level. Also area. Shovel Knight with the uh, oh, lightning yeah. levels. Yep, yep, yep. It's a, it's a fairly popular trope. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I just, I don't know, like... If you can trace it back to like who did it first, right. but uh, I just I just always really enjoy it. It's it's really cool. Yeah, I think of all the games that we talked about that had silhouettes in them, mm-hmm. I think this game does it the best because it doesn't use the silhouette as a gimmick like um, Geist and uh, which we didn't talk about no. on the podcast anyway. Um, <laughs> but like that or Shovel Knight did, where they basically used it as a way to like insert puzzles into levels, but without telling the player. Uh, not that they were like bad in Shovel Knight, but it just wasn't. I, f- I felt like it was less gimmicky here. Mm-hmm. And in Blasphemous, they did it really well, but did it for like a f- basically like a mini boss fight. Yeah, it was like two screens. Yeah. And they were like, well, that's enough of that. <laughs> Because we can't, we can't do all. We can't just go full limbo at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I I felt like this was an implementation of it that really clicked with me. Uh, I think helping it f- filter out a lot of the visual noise uh, and not having a situation where they were just like, well, of course this platform you couldn't land on, you idiot. <laughs> I know that's never been a thing in the whole rest of the game, but. Uh, it, it just, it felt really natural and I liked, I liked the visual. I liked the, what it did for the mechanics. It was just a fun time that I enjoyed. Yeah. And it, it also, I think really, really fits with David Wise's music, mm. um, who they brought back for this game. I don't know if he worked on Donkey Kong Country Returns, the first one, but he definitely did on this one. And I remember, like, playing this game and, like, knowing who he was and, you know, everyone's like, oh, Aquatic Ambience and uh, <laughs> Sticker Brush Symphony, and then they jerk off. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, I remember thinking, like, oh, he came back for this game and it seemed like 
people didn't really care that much other than like, oh, yeah, he's back. <laughs> um, but little did I know that like there are like several tracks from this game that I've heard in a lot of other places. So I feel like it is like low key um, just as influential as the original uh, soundtrack. Well, I mean, not just as, but similarly, like on a similar level appreciated by people whether they realize it or not. <laughs> no, my eyebrows went up there because that was not the definition that I thought you meant when you said I've heard these songs in other places. Mm. Because I have one thought mm-hmm. in my one brain cell about uh-huh. the soundtrack of this game, and that is I thought the soundtrack was extremely good. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack is also a remix album. Like, Mm -hmm. it is, there's so many songs recycled from the original Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. And I cannot sit on a side on this because I love those songs. And I don't know if I would feel like the game really was a Donkey Kong Country game if it didn't play that jingle Mm -hmm. when you beat a level and all of that. Like, it's all this stuff that, like, feels nostalgic and attached to it. But the, the original tracks are really good also, yeah. but I found myself, I mostly am remembering the old songs when I think about the soundtrack, because right. that's what, like, fucking, t- fucking tickled my ear. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah, I think literally, like, the first Water Levels track on the uh, soundtrack is called Aquatic Ambience Returns. Uh-huh. Um, so... You're not wrong, but like there are, there's a lot of like, um, like original tracks from this game that I have like, like when I replayed this, I was like, oh man, like I recognize like five of these songs from those, uh, take a drink, uh, those dumb, uh, video game music to study to playlists that I listened to. And I'm like, oh, I, I didn't realize this was from this game and I fucking played it. Um, so I feel like it's definitely like, over time had like just as much of an or a similar impact um as like the original games did just kind of like under under the radar yeah and honestly like taken as a as a whole i would go so far as to say that i think that the new tracks are better than the old tracks mm. because well <laughs> Like, ima- like, think of um, Gangplank Galleon, mm-hmm. right? I know it well. Yes. That got remixed for Smash Brothers and is great in Smash Brothers because they took a song that was written with a certain set of limitations of the SNES sound card and they remixed it in a way to make it appropriate for a new setting. In a made it more bombastic, like a fight game song. Uh, and in this game, they remix the songs for the same context in a game with the same title. Yeah. And so it's just, yeah, it's similar. Yeah. It's like a cover. Like, to me, the Smash Brothers remix of Gangplank Galleon is like watching a reunion tour of a band. Mm-hmm. And the we, re- we recorded this album for its 20th anniversary <laughs> yeah style thing and then this one is like watching a cover band of a band that you like mm-hmm. uh but like a good one yeah <laughs> uh so i liked all the songs but i like the new songs a little bit better 
but I only remember the old songs. Sure. So my life is a horrible disaster. <laughs> Uh, uh, so you want to come back around to talking about those levels? Yeah, let's do that. The, those last two levels. <laughs> oh, we're talking the last two levels. Uh, yeah. I know you left that thread dangling. I did. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, alright. Um, let me talk a little bit about overall levels for a second, because I think the context is important. A lot of the levels, a lot of, not all, of the levels are, like, they're challenging in a way that is fun. I think that there is a uh, back and forth of you, like, learning the level to an extent and also reacting to things. There are elements of flow that exist in parts of the level and not all of it. So it has this choppy sort of feel to it, but it's done in a almost surgical way where it's like that story element stuff you were talking about like when the fucking lightning strikes you got to get your ass moving and so that part of the level is a big run and jump level and the part before it is more puzzly thinking about stuff finding the secrets and doing all that stuff <laughs> they brought ramby back uh and i'm a big Ram- ramby fan uh i've never seen first blood but I do know a rhinoceros when I see one. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of media in the world featuring rhinoceros. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just watched Jumanji not that long ago. What are the things about rhinos that people associate them with? You got a big horn. They're mm-hmm. functionally unstoppable. And they stampede. Uh, all of these are very forward momentum based. The next to last level of this game is the worst designed Ramby level that has ever been made in the history of the world. It's like I have a Mario Maker 2 stage that I made on a dare, essentially, that is an ice platforming stage where you're in a car. That's this stage. They da- they done did it and put it in a AAA Nintendo game. It's a fucking level where you're on Ramby, whose one mechanical function is that he runs when you press a button uh, and smashes through objects. And then they put you on an ice stage that's sinking into lava where you have to wait for shit to happen all the time. So you get to a part and you stand there and you wait for a thing to happen. And then you do an awkward combination of moving left and right and running and jumping and die a lot to do it. And it just feels really unsatisfying and shitty. Mm -hmm. And there are Ramby levels earlier in the game, like the one with all the fucking, I don't know, columns, like the pillars that are coming down. Yeah, the brush fire, tornadoes and stuff. Yeah, and that level's fucking sick. Mm -hmm. I loved that level. I thought Ramby was on his way to the big time. But he was on his way to the big top because they made him a fucking clown in this last level. Uh, I don't like it. I the last level of this game is trash. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I did not replay the level, mm-hmm. so I can't uh, specifically agree with you. But I don't really like any Ramby levels personally. <laughs> uh, so I feel like I'd be right on the same page as you. 
Uh, I don't like how you have to keep hitting the charge button to make him keep running. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's always really felt awkward to me. But, uh, yeah, that does sound awful. I do kind <laughs> of remember that level. It sounds and, cool thematically. Yeah, and it looks really good, much like everything else in the game. Yeah. Uh, it's got a cool sort of, like, background, foreground element to it where you can see, like, sort of the lava. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's, like, the last level, right? The The freeze is melting. It's tropical freeze meltdown. Right. Uh, and so it has, like, a climactic last level feeling to it. It just doesn't... It just, the, it just mechanically doesn't pay off in any way. Yeah. It doesn't feel... Okay. Uh, rhinos are an animal that are found in... Africa. <laughs> sure. Also found in Africa, maybe. Warthogs. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, the, re- the final racing the melting ice level mm-hmm. in the Donkey Kong game with a rhino should be the warthog escape sequence in Halo. Oh. Like, the end of the game should be this race for your life. It's been proven time and time again in every fucking Halo game and Metro game that it works. Mm-hmm. And they made it this stoppy, yeah. starty... Yeah, Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time, uh, run down the fucking castle. Um, Devil May Cry. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil 4. Mm-hmm. Most Resident Evil games, uh, I think. Metal Gear Solid. Gotta beat that clock. Yep. Classic. Classic. This is the opposite of a classic. This is bad. <laughs> That's it. That's my last level thing. Yeah. Except, why you know like a Durambi? <laughs> it's not that like I hate him. Like I just always feel like he feels awkward to control personally. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I always like I don't remember it super well, mm-hmm. but I always felt like I liked On Guard better, the swordfish. Oh yeah. And I I, I why does Rambi get all the love? <laughs> they like in Returns One and this, they only brought him back and none of the other animals. That's true. I think honestly, our underdog hero is the spider, mm-hmm. whose name I always want to just say is like shoes. Yeah, or like legs or Le- something. <laughs> He's got sneakers that's yeah. his like and then there was like an ostrich there's an ostrich espresso yeah uh, that's all that i really remember mm-hmm. and squawks yeah. the parrot, who is in this game but all he does is find secrets yeah uh but the spider was cool because you could make little platforms you remember mm-hmm. what i talked about on the 3d world episode about how i liked in the galaxy games that you could do the cloud thing oh yeah yeah and i was like cloud platforms are really cool and like the spider ice. webs, spider webs are essentially that. Mm-hmm. I just like it when you make a platform. Yeah, no, it's cool. Just cool thing. Yeah, that's what I got on on the spider <laughs> from a game that we're not even talking yeah, is about. Yeah, I think Rambi is a cool character, mm-hmm. um, but I just yeah, I just never really liked playing as him. Yeah, personally, I think the problem in this game is is that it makes sense. Like, it makes sense that you have to press the dash button a bunch of times in order to keep running, because mm-hmm. the game doesn't want you to keep running. It wants you to stop and yeah. jump and think about what you're doing. Uh, but that's just not what you want to do on a ride now. They should have changed him to, uh, I don't know, something that doesn't run all the time. <laughs> like a rhino does. Right. <laughs> uh... 
Is that all we got? Might be. Oh, oh yeah. I guess to to wrap up um, before we go into final thoughts, um, how do you feel about this game's length? Um, because on uh, on the No Clip podcast, we are known <laughs> proponents of short games. Yes. Um, especially as adults, uh, we think we value them more by the minute. <laughs> um, but like, I think you have like certain expectations for like you know like a triple A game for a Nintendo game for something with Donkey Kong in it. Mm-hmm. And I would certainly rather have a high quality short game than a longer more medium quality game but i feel like both times i played this the first one and this one i got through the whole thing in like two sittings um it 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 feels like i don't know it feels like it's 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 lacking a little in the length department for me personally yeah i honestly when you said that my first thought was like it does feel a little short Mm-hmm. I don't think I didn't feel unsatisfying at the end because of the length. I felt unsatisfied because of the Ramby level. Uh-huh. Um, but in general, I think that this is like this feels like not. I wouldn't say a one-to-one comparison, like a like Star Fox sixty four, mm. uh, or even like some of the newer Mario and Kirby games, where it feels like the length comes from like quote-unquote replay value Mm. so if you did care about those puzzle pieces and kong letters and kong letters and went back and got all of them this would probably take a decent chunk of time to get through um metroid dread was only like an eight hour game or like a 12 hour game Mm -hmm. uh but this was even shorter than that yeah i I feel like (laughs) and i think we talked about this a little on the hat in time episode it's that yeah like I think like Metroid Dread's a good one to bring up. Like it's sh- on the shorter end for the kind of game it is, mm-hmm. but it still feels like it said all it needed to say and felt satisfying. Like both, I think I had in time before it's DLC and this game feel like they just had more to give. Yeah. But then they just kind of ended. Yeah. I can kind of see. I that. think that's the difference. Also it ends on level five. Mm-hmm. Which feels I think it's six world six world six, yeah. which feels like a weird place to end. Mm. I think this is Mario set the bar for everything at eight. Yeah, you're supposed to have eight. Yeah, it's like um, Zelda's similar. Like if you play a Zelda game and it has less than six dungeons, it feels weird. Yeah, shout out Majora's Mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> feels weird, man. Uh. But yeah, I just just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, and I agree with you, I think. Personally, I was glad this game was on the shorter side based on... Yeah, life. Life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no, gesturing same. wildly. <laughs> I ended up having no time yeah. recently, so I liked that I could play most of it. Uh, just in a couple days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who? Oh, man. Yeah, we gotta send this one. This is our last episode of April. Mm-hmm. We gotta send this off with uh, something that's monkey related, right? Do we have? <laughs> My brain got tied up. Do you like primate thoughts or? Pr- <laughs> 
<laughs> Fuck it, I'm going with this one. I like this one. Okay. Do you have primal thoughts? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm just a big April Fool uh-huh. with my primal thoughts over here, monkeying around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like I I like this game a lot. Uh, I I, I think you kind of you talked about this or we both did a little uh, sprinkled throughout, but um, when I was younger, it felt like the majority of games just were 2D platformers. And so it's a very, like, well-tread genre with a lot of pillars uh, to look to for, like, standout examples um, of what the genre can do. And I think, you know, and games have been around for, what, like almost 40 years now um and i feel like because of that it takes a lot for a 2d platformer to stand out um whether that's fair or not Uh um and i think the donkey kong country returns games do that for me it might be because donkey kong's attached and i played donkey kong land as a kid Mm -hmm. uh that it piqued my interest um but I, I gave them a sh- I, I you know I've played them both and I do find that they do do enough to really stand out like I think they carry the torch well um, I do I think the level design is is fantastic like I, I think um, those little stories that the levels tell really do add a lot like uh, we just played Shovel Knight recently and um, what made Shovel Knight stand out I thought was like the hub world and like the characters and like the extra stuff it had and I think this is similar, you know, like, um, I feel like I enjoyed Shovel Knight, like, less, but, like, a similar amount to this, and if, I think if you took out all of, like, the extra, like, hub town and characters and things, it would plummet to, like, much lower mm-hmm. in quality, so I really think those kind of presentation things add a lot, um, and, yeah, and it seems like Retro also thinks that, because they really stuffed the game full of it, um, mm-hmm. kind of, like, as its calling card, almost, um, so yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, like the juicy jungle world, World Five is like one of the coolest in any like two D platform I've ever played. Like I just like remember the first time playing it and like the progression of like what they were doing with the fruit. It was just so creative and like cool, and uh, really obvious to pick up on. Like no one's not gonna notice what's going on. It's not too subtle. Um, it, I feel like it hits the spot. Uh, it's really cool. Um, so yeah, I I think. It's a really good example of, like, a modern 2D platformer that's, like, worth playing or, like, it's worth, like, the attention like uh, attention that, like, older ones would get when they would come out, like a Mario game or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't really see that much anymore, um, you know, other outside of, like, remakes of old uh, platformers. So I think it's cool to see um, Donkey Kong get brought back and to be done justice. Um, so... Uh, yeah, like, I, I really like this. I liked getting to play it a second time. Uh, I think it held up, um, in my eyes, and, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I'm really glad that you brought up Shovel Knight on your final thoughts, your primal thoughts. My primal thoughts. Because I'm gonna do the same thing, and I didn't want it to seem weird. Um, <laughs> I felt like I liked this game about as much as Shovel Knight, almost exactly, weirdly, um, and it's just in an extremely different way. Like I found this game much less weirdly frustrating 
than Shovel Knight, but I also found Shovel Knight to have like a sort of an edge in its like the lines that you saw when you were actually platforming through a level. Um, the, it's it's weird. It's not one to one with everything. It just is a game that looks at the past and sees what it can do to update it. And uh, Shovel Knight did that mostly mechanically, and I feel like Tropical Freeze does that visually and with its sound and presentation. Uh, so much of this game looks really cool, and I talked a lot of shit about a lot of stuff on this episode, but I still enjoyed my time with it weirdly. Um, there were a lot of stumbling blocks for me. I think this is... I just like a very good game that is out that is just different enough from my like ideal version of the genre that I kept running into walls and going, oh, why, why the game put this wall in front of me instead of blaming myself for not seeing the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's it. I think if you liked the original Donkey Kong games, this game is absolutely worth playing. Uh, I am personally super happy that I got through it, um, and I, you know, am done talking. You know, my classic catchphrase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say it every episode. Buy the t-shirt at our merch store. <laughs> I am done talking. <laughs> this would be a very, uh, fuck it. We're making the t-shirt? No. Right. <laughs> I'll get to work on it. It'd just be white text on a black shirt. <laughs> Good work. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about... Oh, wait, hold on. Next time, it's a big mystery this is getting too close to halloween (laughs) uh we're doing mystery may uh and we're going to be talking about disco elysium the game that the only game potentially in the last several years that has made me feel physical guilt about not playing uh okay everybody fucking loves it and wants to talk about it and i looked at it and said "Ugh." I'm scared of that game, mm. but here we are. I might be off base, but it seems like to me, I, I think it looks super interesting, um, but uh, it seems like the kind of thing that you're going to be adverse to playing and then are going to be like super into once you play it. I almost guarantee you I will love this game <laughs> and have no uh, explanation as to <laughs> my hesitance prior to today, so... Uh. Uh, looking forward to, to eating my own shit for you, a whole month. You might hate it. I don't know. Yeah, ooh. Uh, I'm a wild card. <laughs> Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our mysterious contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or our apish contact information on splattershot.pro. New Splatoon game coming out, waiting for Nintendo to try and buy that domain back from us. Uh, you, can, <laughs> you can find links to our email, to the Twitter account, uh, <laughs> to the YouTube, uh, which also contains all of our old episodes, including episodes on Shovel Knight and Celeste and Mario 3D World. 
uh, all of the things that we talked about at length during this episode. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. lot to choose from this time. This is the polar opposite of a Diddy Kong racing. Yeah. It's ground smash. What is this move called? It's probably just called a ground pound. It's yeah. called the We Have a Wii Remote Nunchuck, so we made Donkey Kong <laughs> slap the ground. Yeah. It's like you Smash Brothers down B. Yeah. Smash, the Donkey Konga. The Smash Brothers down B, that like button. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess Donkey Kong does play the bongos. He does in, uh, in 64 and in obviously the Donkey Konga games. <laughs> Uh, uh, leave a comment if you would like us to play Donkey Konga. <laughs> and mail us that dumb bongo controller. <laughs> we will need the bongo controller. I actually might know somebody who owns a bongo. Perfect. All right. uh, and a real bongo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know how this plugs into the GameCube. <laughs> we'll set it up, don't worry. <laughs> I got it. Ring that bell. Oh, during Ring the Bells yeah, is a thing you do in the game. It is. There's really not a whole lot about it, though. <laughs> it's just, yeah, one level, I think. It's like the gimmick. You slide on those ropes. Yeah, you spin around. Yeah. Ring the Bells. It's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Brings a smile to my face. Donkey Kong gets notified <laughs> of so many YouTube videos yeah. when they're released. da 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 Retro Studios. And Nintendo publishes game in 2014. And they're at it again. Making Donkey Kong for you and me. Yeah. 